That was a live recording of Cat Squirrel. Heard through the the HVAC system. <laughs> Just echoing. I'll put an echo on that. It's time to take your blanket out of the dryer, put the ferret to bed for the night, and make yourself a plate of cheese and crackers. <laughs> That's right. It's time for Talk Tall to Me. This is week seven, I think. No, no land in sight. Week seven on Talk Tall to Me. Another double feature. That's right. So, so Nick, which, uh, which songs are we going to be listening to today? We've got Cat's Squirrel, which yes. is um, a cover, technically. And an instrumental. And an instrumental, um, followed up by a song for Jeffrey. A song for Jeffrey. Yep, just one, though. One song. Just a single, yep. single song for Jeffrey. Um, I always wished that my name was Jeffrey when I, when I was a kid, just so this song could be for me. You did not. That's true. I was, I was too old to be into such shenanigans. I'm so glad that your name isn't, isn't Jeffrey. I, we would not be friends. I don't think so. No, I don't think I'd be friends with me either for Jeffrey. <laughs> um, so uh, a little background on Cat Squirrel. Yeah. Originally, it was um, created by the American blues singer Charles Isaiah, the harmonica boss, Ross, um, recorded originally in 53 under the title of Mississippi Blues. He recorded it again in 56 when he uh, retitled it as Cat, Squ- Cat Squirrel, not Possessive. Um, oh, really? Yep. Yep, the original was Cat Squirrel. Cat Squirrel. There were lyrics. Um, he had lyrics in between the 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 peels of harmonica. There is a cat. He's got a squirrel. That's it. I see a cat. He's got a squirrel. Yep. And then in '66, uh, Clapton, uh, as part of Cream, reworked it. Um, and then again, uh, Mick, Mick Abrams got his his. His blistered finger got blisters on me fingers. Um, his his got his blistered fingers on it and reworked it for uh, this was. That's the album that we're talking about today. What? So it's a song that has been um, passed around in the musical scene for a couple of years up to this point. It's been uh, it's been in the public consciousness, and now it's time for the the nice young gentleman over at Jethro Tull to take their crack at it. It's a pretty lively, bouncy tune. Um, I think it, it, it feels, even though a lot of the other ones, particularly um, leading up to this, like Serenade, Dharma, even um, It's Breaking Me Up, they're, they're on the quicker side a little bit, but they just don't feel, it feels like we're, they're back in their groove for this one, even though it is a, uh, a cover. They, uh, there, there feels, there seems to be a little bit more um, emotion behind it as opposed mm. to just like, oh, okay, now we're playing this one. Well, in the, in the kind of, we've noticed before on some of these songs that the, the more heavily influenced Mick Abrams songs seem to enliven drummer Clive Bunker. 
true. He's super splashy in this. He's so splashy. He's splashing and splashing all around. And, you know, and I think that obviously all of this is speculation, um, but I, I do feel like we're sort of, I'm sort of starting to form a theory in my head of, of uh, musical interpersonal dynamics. Hmm. And, and that theory is that Clive Bunker liked to play the drums. Nailed it. Especially on, on the, on the Mick Abrams uh, songs. And, you know, in this album, and we're not the first people to say this, but hopefully you're the first people to hear us say this. No, hopefully we're the first people who you heard. <laughs> keep trying, keep going. We're not the first people who've said this, but hopefully we're the first people whom you have heard say this. Okay. Did I get that right? Yeah. But in this album, in the album this was, there's a constant tension between Mick Abrams and Ian Anderson. And... um on this track, the pendulum has swung to Abrams land. Clearly. Yeah. This is really for, for my listening money for my ear dollars, um, sort of a vehicle for Mick to, um, to have sort of an, an electric overdrive improvisational wet dream. Yeah. Super guitar, super guitar in this. And a very specific kind of playing, you know, it's like, it's like that 1960s, like, yeah, we're playing the blues. Mm Hmm a disregard for, for rhythm and, and such and let the drummer take care of it. And he just sort of, you know, he, he goes on this, on this guitar journey. The question that I have is, does he take us with him? Mm, that was deep. Um, <laughs> I, that wasn't, that wasn't meant to be a joke. It was a genuine statement. Um, um, I'm, I'm not used <laughs> to hearing those. Yeah. The last two, two songs were Ian Anderson. And in fact, the next two songs are Ian Anderson. So this is, this is basically Mick's last hurrah on this album, essentially. Yeah. And, 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 it, and it's, it, I, I could see a moment of Ian and Mick in the studio. Ian doesn't want to include cat squirrel and Mick's like, I'll record four more songs of yours. Even it's breaking me up. I'll record if you let me record cat squirrel. I think the way that it happened is that um, everyone except for Abrams and bunker went down the road to get a pack of smokes. And while they were gone, uh, Mick and Clive just sat down and whacked this one out. Yeah. I mean, I don't hear anything else. Other no, than there's this. literally no, there's no other instruments. I mean, I mean, maybe there are, but it's, it's really like in listening to it, it's all I hear are, are the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it, it's nice and energetic. I like that about it. Um, but it does, it does get really, even more so than Dharma. It gets really jam bandy for me. I, I agree. And it's just, it's kind of unpalatable when, and again, this I, we, I think we mentioned this in, in, in earlier casts. Um, it gets slightly unpalatable for those of us who grew up on Tull five years down the road, you know, because this this is so not Jethro Tull. Yeah, in its later forms, certainly. Yeah, like we could play. I could play um, a song for Jeffrey 
Beggar's Farm and then Cat's Squirrel to a complete stranger and say, which one is not, which, which two are the same band and which one is different? Right. And I bet they'd pick Cat's Squirrel. Yeah. As their ringtone. Oh my God. Um, so just interesting to note that in the liner notes of this was, Cat Squirrel was included, quote, because people like it. And <laughs> I didn't see that. That's fantastic. Bitterman party one. <laughs> um, because people like it. Yeah. Which, which implies to me that not everyone in the band liked it. Mm. I'll give you a dozen guesses because <laughs> most didn't like it. They all rhyme with Korean Cranderson. <laughs> well, and of note, um, it seems that Abrams uh, later performed this same song with uh, with Bloodwind Pig. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's not like it was a Jethro Tull original, right? And yeah. it's not like people didn't like it. Yeah. So, apparently people did why not so why not take that along with him when he left yeah yeah it's that not counts. like it's not like tull was going to be playing it certainly not yeah certainly not i think it's pretty poignant that it's the it's about halfway through the um second side because it feels it almost feels to me like okay Sorry, Mick. This is it. You're gonna you're gonna help us finish this album, and then we're we're done. We're parting ways. Interesting. It almost feels like like, and I'm sure they didn't record them in that order, but still, like, right, right, right. It feels like there there comes a certain point where where they kind of made that decision, or maybe not. Like, I don't know the story of it, but it, it, it just in terms of how they decided to, um, build the progression of the songs on on this album, um. Yeah, it feels it feels like that's that's the climax of the album, and then it, it goes down, and and it and oh, it's just Ian Anderson coming down the other side of that hill. What happened to Mick? That that's what that feels like to me. Um, I have no basis, uh, in fact, in that statement. Um, and a good and this is a good time to remind our listeners that much of this podcast is pure speculation, pure and unadulterated. If you want facts, um. Then you wouldn't be listening to us now, would you? Bing bong. There it is. Have another cracker. And let's move on to a song for Jeffrey. Nick. Omen. I am so excited that we get to talk about this song right now. A song for Jeffrey. Why? Um, it's so freaking good. Uh, it's so good. It is so good. It does not belong on this album. Well, you know what? In fact, it isn't just on this album. And I think this this is going to be a good indication of of the uniqueness and the and the effect of this song. This song was included, of course, on 1968's This Was. It was also included in 1972's Living in the Past, 1988's 20 Years of Jethro Tull, 1993's The 25th Anniversary Box Set, 1993's The, Ver- the Best of Jethro Tull, 1971's Aqualung re-release. Yes, that's true. It's a bonus track on Aqualung. 
1996 Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus and the very best of Jethro Tull 2001. So it is consistently making the cut for um, the best songs of Jethro Tull throughout the years and even the best songs of rock and roll. Yeah. Out of out of hundreds of Jethro Tull songs, out of songs that are much better known by the the public, um, it still it still makes it through. This song to me, the sound I feel like it belongs on benefit. Oh, I was gonna say it belongs uh, on that golden record that they shot into outer space. I mean, maybe it is at this point. I don't think that it is. No, it's on the golden MP3 that they shot into, <laughs> into space. Um, I, and I think some of that has to do with the fact that I got the cassette of Benefit and this was at the same time. Okay. So they're probably, in terms of me listening to them and listening to those tapes over and over and over, yeah. they happen at the same time. But it's. I think they have that same sound. Um, I agree. I think that there's something sort of forward moving about the style of this song. I mean, it it almost feels like this is one of the songs that that you know. Well, a lot of this album feels a little bit stuck in its context and a little bit like this is what we have to play to make it in 1968 London. This is this feels like one of the songs that's just like really out there. Ian Anderson is clearly pursuing his artistic drive he's he's able to get everyone to follow along with him and it's and it's totally unique i mean nothing like this sound had happened bef- before this recording and it's 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 like it's a foreshadowing um of of what's of the, the next at least two albums um totally stand up and benefit yeah, totally. totally sound like this yeah absolutely um, and this this goes back i think a little bit to uh to cat squirrel they just did mix this is my last song this is my swan song and then and then ian's like you know what we're gonna put we're gonna put my song on this one too well and it's so cool to hear this because you know let's say we're comparing it to cat squirrel which we are in cat squirrel it's basically five minutes and 20 seconds of like non-stop guitar and drums this is a cunning and well-balanced vivacious interplay between Ian Anderson's uh, incredible flute licks and riffs with, with a little bunker sneaking through when the time is right. Mm-hmm. Abrams is, is supporting the guitar with those kind of uh, sliding chord progressions. And it all drives toward this incredible unique sound. I don't know who's playing bass on this song. I forget. Um, who was bass at the time? Um, th- this album I mean, sorry, this song, it was uh, Cornick. It was Glenn Cornick on bass. Oh, and you can actually hear his bass on this song. Yeah. You can distinctly hear all the all the parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there's some harmonica in here that I do actually enjoy. I like the harmonica in this. You, bah, bah, bah. you forgot to take your pills, didn't you? My harmonica pills? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my my D harmonica pills. Um, <laughs> I like I like what he's doing with his voice here. It's fun. It's a little tweak. It's a little different. He doesn't do it very often after this at all. But it's like it's almost like he's got a a filter on there. Yeah, but I'm not sure it is. I wanted to talk about that because I feel like I feel like 
for this one song, for whatever reason, he's created some kind of a character. Mm. Because it's he's singing with a with a different voice. Yeah. He's doing some weird vocal things, like on the on the I don't see CC where I'm going to. Mm-hmm. That weird kind of like I don't see just see where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's he never he rarely does that sort of thing on any no. other song. And it seem it, it it almost seems to me like he's created a character who is singing this song, mm-hmm. uh, which is really bizarre. But for whatever reason, it really works. Yeah. Two things. Yes. It's it's like if Sammy Davis Jr. wanted to start singing rock and roll with that voice. You know, Sammy Davis oh, Jr. Was he goodness. a baseball player? I may have to cut this because we lost our Sammy Davis Jr. crowd just now. Both of them. He was a part of the Rat Pack. He had one eye. He's talked like this, baby. <laughs> he, Dean, uh, Sammy and Dean, Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra, he was with them. Oh. Wow. Mm. Okay. I'll have to put in a clip here. But also, he he sounds like. <laughs> Pause for technical difficulties. <laughs> um, there's in a bit of Fry and Lori, um, when they almost every episode or every other episode they'll cut to Hugh Laurie just sitting at a piano singing, right? Um, especially in the earlier seasons. And there's one, there's one in I think it's the second se- the second what do they call it series the second series right. where um, he sings a song with that voice mystery <laughs> all my life has been a mystery <laughs> you and I were never ever meant to be that's why I call my love for you Okay. Um, and that's that's all I could think about when I was hearing that voice. But I don't feel like Ian Anderson is imitating any known singer that I've ever heard in this case. I, it really feels like something came to him and he was like, this is, this is how I've got to sing this. Is this perhaps a hint at future prog roots? You know, being a character throughout the whole thing? telling a story throughout the whole thing maybe it is i mean maybe it is i i think that you know i think that we know that ian anderson um is a in some ways like a, a fundamentally shy person i believe he i believe he said that in interviews mm-hmm. um he screamed it from his uh, balcony <laughs> <laughs> and you know i i certainly think that creating a character is a way of giving yourself a little, a little mask, a little permission to go really far uh, with, with artistic things than you might otherwise do. I mean, you know, he wouldn't be the first person to do that by a long shot yeah, or the last. I mean, that's kind of what Ziggy Stardust was. That's like, I was going to say Bowie. Yeah. Also, um, uh, our good friend that we have the other podcast about Nicki Minaj, she has several characters that she raps as. We do not have a Nicki Minaj podcast it's called Nick Omen, uh, Nick and Omen. No, I had it. I tried it. Ooh. 
couldn't it hurt it hurt um this song maybe this has something to do with the voice um the song is dedicated to jeffrey hammond who is an old friend from blackpool where they started who invented the claghorn did he not no ian anderson did no i don't think he did Mm. (laughs) you might be right um but uh he played the bass for two bands that Ian Anderson was in prior to um, prior to, to Jethro Tull, uh, the Blades and the John Evan band um, with John Evans. Interesting. Uh, Ian Anderson and Barrymore Barlow, who I think also shows up um, in the Tull lineup at some point. Um, and then he, he joins uh, Jeffrey Hammond joins Tull as the bass player after um, Glenn Cornick leaves. Yeah. Uh, right before Aqualung. So, so Hammond is, is an Aqualung uh, for the first time. You know, they knew each other from when they were 17 years old. So only three years prior to, four years prior to, to, to wow, Tull. That's, that's so crazy. But yeah, 60, 63 to 67. So they must have met in the Blades. That sounded really dramatic, but that's just the name of the band. A song for Jeffrey. You may be wondering, who is Jeffrey? Jeffrey is Jeffrey Hammond Hammond, the musician, painter, and inventor of the claghorn. Um, a high school friend of Ian Anderson's, Anderson wrote a number of songs uh, ab- about Jeffrey, including Song for Jeffrey. Surprise. Jeffrey Goes to Leicester Square. And... For Michael Collins, Jeffrey, Jeffrey and me. Right, on benefit. So it seems like he was describing and singing as Jeffrey Hammond Hammond in this song. Right. Because it's, uh, the what about the part where he, dis, um, he portrays him as like losing his way or bumbling or something like that? Right, right. He sort of describes, I mean, and if you look at the lyrics, it's talking about somebody who who's impulsive, who doesn't know where they're going, who, who sees possibilities in every new day and maybe goes after everything a little bit, but never gets anywhere. And I got that. Um, he, he, he intentionally chooses to be this way. Yeah. He chooses not to look, he chooses to just kind of wander. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm getting the impression of like a, like a wandering poet figure, like, like a sort of a, almost like a mystical, you know, like the Holy Fool type. Sure. Falstaff. Yeah. And I can totally see why that sort of personality would appeal to Ian Anderson, because everything that we know about Ian Anderson makes him seem like a, like a kind of a rigid person in some ways. Right. I mean, who knows in 67, you know, what he was like. Um, but it, it feels by befriending Hammond and by singing about him and as him. Right. It was clearly an inspiration. It's, and it's a vicarious thing just for a little bit, at least. Right. You know, fascinating. That's what I get out of it. Yeah. I think this is something that we are going to want to explore as we get to those later songs. Yeah. Which are the, just the next two albums, I believe. Right. Right. So you should be hearing those uh, within the next two years or so. The next two albums. And then he's in the band. So why would they sing about him? Boom. Boom. Done. Um, anything else about Song for Jeffrey? What do you think? Oh, yeah. There's one little detail that I want to point out. Um, 
the end of the song is this flutter tongue fade mm. as if the song is fading away entirely. And then, psych, it comes back for one final uh, and it's that's something that that occurs in a lot of other Jethro Tull songs down the line. It seems to be like a, a favorite kind of trick almost is to make make the listener think that you're fading away uh, and then bring it back for one final hurrah. Yeah, it's a good little classic rock bump on the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's nice. It's it's it finally feels like good old fashioned rock to me. You know, yeah, but of a of a very new kind that we haven't really heard before. Yeah, a new flavor of old fashioned rock. Um, it's it has it has an old feel to it, but it also sounds so different than anything that I've heard from that era. Let me ask you a question: mm-hmm. If song for Jeffrey was an ice cream, what kind of ice cream would it be? I think it would be vanilla with sea salt. Really? Chunks of sea salt. Pink. Pink Himalayan salt. So it's not sea salt. Like like massive cubes of salt, actually. Well, not massive, but enough to crunch. Right. Um, so, you, so that you notice it. Yeah. And yeah. you don't know that those are in there. It's not advertised with those. I see. I see. And the... The ice cream itself is less sweet than a standard vanilla because you're going to be getting that salt. Right. So you initi- you take that initial taste and it's like, oh, that's okay. That's an interesting way to, to, to do this. Crunch. And then you crunch. You're like, whoa. Yeah. I see why now. Yeah. So something we haven't... The gerbil said, is waking up. <laughs> it's quietly, quietly. The gerbil sleeping. Um, something we haven't said before, I don't think. Um, it would be pretty cool if you could rate and review us on any cast platform. I'm not going to name one in particular. You all know which one that it is the most powerful. We don't need to, to give them power by naming them. Wow. Um, yeah. But if you could give us five stars, only five stars, please. Um, and alternative, alternatively, five one star reviews. No. <laughs> I'd rather not. No, that'd be terrible. <laughs> um, rate and review us. So I don't have to tell you to subscribe because you're already subscribed. This is episode seven. Who picks up on episode seven? So I don't need to tell you that. But if we get some some fun reviews, maybe we'll uh, read them in the in the show. Hmm. Yeah. How's that for bribery? How's that? You want for... your words read on a podcast, kid? <laughs> Here's your big chance. Be ashamed to see these words not read out loud. <laughs> um. So that was that was cat squirrel. Yeah. And a song for Jeffrey. That's right. Um. We've got. Two more episodes. Um, the final song on this album proper round, and then three 
of the bonus tracks. But you're just going to have to come back next week for the first of those two last two. That's right. So whether whether this podcast has been your your morning wake up podcast with that first cup of yerba mate or your lunchtime podcast with your espresso with lemon <laughs> or your lunchtime podcast with your seventh cup of yerba mate <laughs> or your nightcap podcast oh that's a reference to a jethro tall song you see um <laughs> we hope that you have a, a wonderful rest of your day whatever it holds and we will see you next week i'm omen said i'm nick mcgill and we are feckless feckless moans oh we were so close there i thought you you always hesitate talk tall to me (laughs) good We have heard um, John Reese Davies take the lead. That's not his name. That's not, that's not his name at all. What's the name of the guitarist? Mick, Mick Abrams? Oh, hey there. Talk Tell to Me is a proud member of the Feckless Momes Audio Network.